we have a big winner and a big announcement to talk about, and NASCAR as we know it will never be the same. Or will it? This episode of Above the Yellow Line is delivered to you by DoorDash. Use the promo code NASCAR30 to get 30% off your first DoorDash order. Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. We're going to be talking a lot about NASCAR's past and NASCAR's future, but I want to jump right in with your Shaq Eye Gears MVP of the week, because it goes to the winner as we look at our results. Becoming this season's 18th different winner, firing on all cylinders all weekend long with qualifying in the 8th position, practicing in the 4th position, gathering points in Stage 1 and Stage 2, Bubba Wallace brings the number 45 back-to-back -back at Kansas. Same number, different driver, but nevertheless an impressive run for Bubba Wallace as he captured the checker flag on Sunday. This is a major win for Bubba Wallace for so many reasons. First off, this is the first legitimate win I would say that he had. In my eyes, I think a race won in the rain is a race win, but a lot of people don't. So this is showing the haters and all the fans out there that don't think that he had a legitimate win, now he does. So that's reason number one. Reason number two why this is so significant is because now we know that he's not just a super speedway racer. I didn't think he was, but we've seen him get second places and almost wins and then wins at super speedways. Now we know that he can get it done and will get it done at any track any given weekend. So a major win for Bubba Wallace. Congrats to that team for being this week's Shaq Eye Gears MVP of the week. As for the rest of your top 10, there were only two drivers that were in the top 10 that were not in the playoffs. Of course, one being Bubba Wallace, the other being Martin Truex Jr. And oh my god, that has, that has to sting for that team, just knowing how close they were to get into the playoffs. And then they had a great weekend at Darlington. I know that he didn't, did not finish that race, but he looked like he was going to win that race. So he had a really solid car. And then having a solid car and a solid result at this race, that has to suck. At least I hope it gives them some momentum to go into next year with, saying, hey, it, this stings a little bit. We didn't get into the playoffs, but we are hungrier than ever for maybe Martin Truex Jr.'s last year in the Cup Series before he retires, maybe, maybe not, to go get that championship in 2023. So... Really sucks to see Martin Truex Jr. do well, but I mean that in the best possible way. Then in second place, we had Denny Hamlin. He received his 34th pit violation of the season with equipment interference. And there were a list of drivers that actually had pit road dilemmas, pit road issues, whether it be penalties or whether it be slow pit stops. It plagued over half the playoff drivers. That was kind of the theme for this weekend. It shook out the results a little differently than I think what we would have gotten if everyone was pretty clean on pit road. I think just the stakes are too high at this point. I think everyone has the pressure on them, especially the pit crews. And that's why we're seeing a lot of things slip on pit road. But a lot of these issues, too, are driver driven. Of course, we saw speeding penalties. We saw just we just saw a lot of pit road issues. I'm hoping that we can clean up for Bristol. Granted, Bristol's pit road area is a little tricky, so maybe not. But I guess we'll find out as we go forward. But yeah, not good for Denny Hamlin. I'm sure he wants to wipe that record clean going into 2023. But that 34th pit violation for Denny Hamlin, not a good look at all. Then in the third position, Christopher Bell. Fourth, Alex Bowen, who I thought was gonna win this race at one point or another, just wasn't able to hang on to it. Sixth, William Byron, another strong run for the Hendrick Motorsports team. Seventh, Chastain. Eighth, Larson. Ninth, Blaney. Tenth, Suarez. Eleventh, Chase Elliott. I will say this was a really rough weekend for him. Of course, he rebounded to finish inside the top 15, but even just saying that inside the top 15 for Chase Elliott, is not good considering the regular season that we have seen him have. Darlington, he qualified outside the top 15. 
this racetrack, he qualified outside the 15, and he's having to work his way through the field rather than competing for wins. I don't know what happened to that team. I don't know why the brakes have suddenly been put on, but I hate to see it when drivers are so dominant during the regular season, and then when the playoffs hit, everything goes wrong. I feel like this is his championship to lose, and at this point, he is losing it. I do not see him getting out after the round of 16. I think he's going to make it past the round of 16. But after that point, the points are so tight, and there's actually a lot of shifting around in the points more than I thought. We'll get to that in a second. But I am a little concerned for Chase Elliott, but I do not think we should have like a full alarm fire for Bristol. I think he will be okay as he's sitting decently in points. But a little worried for Chase Elliott, the playoff driver who I think should win the championship this year. Then in 12th, we have Austin Sindrick, 13th Briscoe, 14th Austin Dillon, 17th Logano. Then in 26th, we had Kyle Busch. We're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, but not a good weekend at Kansas. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm sure he just wants to look past it. He had a spin late in the race, equipment interference. I don't know if his head wasn't in the game or what was happening, but it's just a weekend to forget for Kyle Busch. Also a weekend to forget for two other drivers that did worse than him did not finish this race. One of those drivers was Tyler Reddick in the 35th position, and I swear to you, no other driver wrecks out from the lead more than he does. I don't understand it. He always seems to get tire issues when he's in the lead. It's a curse. I'm sure it's a curse. I don't think it's anything that he's doing wrong. Maybe he's using up the tires more than he should, but he blew a tire, smacked the wall. There was damage beyond repair, and they had to retire from the race. Another driver that smacked the wall on Sunday was Kevin Harvick. On lap 32, Wallace and Chastain were fighting for position in front of him, and unfortunately, when they slid up in front of Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick lost nose of the car, got really loose, smacked the wall, had damage beyond repair, and had to retire from the race. This is obviously two DNFs in a row for Kevin Harvick in the playoffs, and that kind of puts him in a must-win situation, at least. I think it is. I think mathematically he has to win in order to move on, which is a shame because I had him in my round of eight bracket. A lot of you had him in your championship four in your bracket, so... For somebody who we thought was going to go very far, considering the late momentum he had in the season, I am very concerned for Kevin Harvick going into Bristol, but there's also a reason why I'm kind of not. We'll talk about that later, but that is how your playoff contenders finished the race at Kansas. All right, now it's time to look at the points standing, starting with your above the yellow line points. We have a tie for first. Adam Lucas and Dom Joseph tied with 74 points. Dom was able to rebound, getting the race-winning pick correct with Bubba Wallace. I'm in second place with 68 points, Brandon Lowe in third place with 64 points, and Christopher Bell was Rob's pick. He had 62 points in last place. Now looking at the drivers' playoff standings, first place last weekend we had Logano, then Byron, Hamlin, and Bell. Below the cutoff line last week was Cindric, Austin Dillon, Briscoe, and Harvick. If we look at it this week, the top four have shifted. Bell is now leading the point standings. Then we have Byron, Hamlin, and Logano. Those point standings are still very close together. They could shift after Bristol. Now below the cutoff line, very close in the point standings though, we have Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, and Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick minus 35 though, in a pretty much a must-win situation, but above the cutoff line, still in danger of falling below if Bristol doesn't work out, is Suarez, Reddick, and Sindrick. Suarez plus six, Reddick and Sindrick plus two. Those are how your points look. Now let's go to our race ratings above or below the yellow line. Here's what you all had to say on a Twitter poll. Roughly 59% of you said this was a great race, 28% of you said good, 6% said okay, and roughly 8% of you said this was a bad race. And finally, a quote from Adam Lucas. He said, shut the haters up. Bubba Wallace did that, and what a beautiful thing it is. Pretty wild and fun race out on the plains. Fall Kansas always produces the better of the two races, and it did not disappoint. 
Easy to give this race an 81 out of 100, making it above the yellow line. Thank you all for sharing your thoughts. I gotta share mine here. I really like this race. It was really solid for Kansas. It was on par with what we saw in the spring, a lot of great action. We also saw a lot of tire trouble, which was also on par for what we saw at Kansas in the spring. So it was a very solid race. I love stage three. We had like five cars battling for the second position. There was a lot of back and forth. Even at the end, I thought Bubba Wallace could have lost the race if the race continued for another 20 laps. Denny Hamlin was gaining on him pretty significantly during that time, but I am glad Wallace got the win. Hamlin was in second place. It's all good. It was all good. It was a great race. I gotta give this one an 80%, which makes it above the yellow line. All right, with Kansas recaps, now let's go down the line talking about key storylines from the past week in NASCAR, starting with NASCAR's past coming to NASCAR's presence. North Wilkesboro Speedway will be the all-star race in 2023. A lot of you actually caught on to this. North Wilkesboro issued a statement the day before this announcement happened saying that they were going to cancel their dirt races in October because there wasn't enough time to take up the asphalt and move to a dirt surface. A lot of you were speculating. Dale Jr.'s comments even had a lot of us speculating beforehand as well, saying that he wanted the asphalt surface to stay at North Wilkesboro. Then a lot of you caught on that maybe we're going to see this track on the 2023 schedule. Turns out we are, we are getting rid of Texas, we are moving in North Wilkesboro, and I could not be more excited. The All-Star Race will take place the weekend before the Coca-Cola 600, May 19th through the 21st is when North Wilkesboro will happen. And this news is major for so many reasons. I mean, first off, the historical context that North Wilkesboro brings. Second off, this shows that NASCAR is listening to the fans' feedback and what we want. We did not want Texas. Nobody really liked Texas. We wanted North Wilkesboro in some capacity, and this was a really happy medium to bring back some history to the sport. Steve O'Donnell actually had some really solid quotes during this press junket. He mentioned that, you know, at some point they lost their way going through all the new changes and they wanted to add this back into the schedule as they are trying to expand to new markets, showing people what NASCAR is and what it can be, while also thanking the old markets that have always supported NASCAR going back to their roots a little bit. So I really appreciate that, especially with next year being NASCAR's 75th year. It should be a major celebration and going back to North Wilkesboro is incredibly exciting. Now, I can say, I, I can't sit here and lie to you and say that I love this, I feel so nostalgic about it because I don't. I was born in 2000, the last time we raced at this track was 1996, but I can sit here and tell you that I'm excited to bask in the nostalgia with those of you who were able to either go to those races live or watch them live at home on your TV. I'm very excited for this to be able to relive some history and get a feel of what it might have been like for those cup cars to race at North Wilkesboro Speedway instead of me watching races back from YouTube that were at North Wilkesboro. I get to live it with all of you and I'm very excited about that for 2023. We'll have to see if this track continues to be on the circuit for years in the future, but I'm so excited you guys. I think the next project that we have to look at maybe, maybe is bringing back Rockingham. I, I know that's a stretch. It could be a stretch, but I'm happy with what we have now. I'm not going to ask them to do the next thing because I'm happy with North Wilkesboro being back, but maybe that's the next project NASCAR can look for. Regardless, a great start for bringing NASCAR back to its roots in a positive way. Finally, and down the line, we have a major topic to talk about because Kyle Busch is slated to go to Richard Childress Racing in 2023 with an announcement expected tomorrow, Tuesday, if you're watching this when the video comes out, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This, of course, was originally reported by Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic, and I have not jumped on this news in the past two months because... Quite honestly, there's been a lot of inaccuracies. A lot of people have jumped on it and have been wrong. So I've waited patiently, but I trust Jordan Bianchi 
his reports, what he said. So I'm going to pretend that this is accurate. I'm going to pretend that this news is solidified today. It should be solidified tomorrow. So let's play a little bit of a, a what if game. What does this mean for RCR? What does this mean for Kyle Busch? What does this mean for other drivers involved? If Kyle Busch does go to RCR in 2023. Kyle Busch's move to RCR in 2023 would terminate a 15-year relationship between he, Joe Gibbs, and Toyota Racing. Of course, though, it's no secret that Joe Gibbs' lineup has changed a lot in the past decade. As Daniel McFadden pointed out on Twitter, this is actually the seventh different full-time lineup that they've had in the past decade. This will also impact Kyle Busch Motorsports, though we're not sure in what capacity quite yet. I'm assuming that there's probably going to be a manufacturer change, but I'm also sure that we're going to have more details on that when the news is official or in the following weeks to come. Now let's look past Kyle Busch at the bigger picture in 2023. What happens to RCR and most importantly, what happens to Tyler Reddick? Because if Kyle Busch goes to RCR in 2023 and Richard Childress is like, hey, Reddick, you wronged me. Your timing could not have been worse. I'm going to make sure you know your timing could not have been worse. You're out of a ride. Find something else. I don't think Childress is that. I don't want to use the word petty, but that petty to just kick Reddick out of a ride completely. But I understand both sides of the argument, right? I understand that Reddick wants to look out for his future. He didn't want this like one year by one year contract deal. He wanted to secure something for the future because I don't feel like he felt that he could be valued as a number one driver when he clearly can win races week in, week out. I don't feel like he was getting that at RCR, so he looked a different direction. I also understand this from Childress's perspective saying, hey, we had you for another, like over a year. You make this announcement now, it stings a little bit. I can understand that. But if Reddick is kicked out of a ride, or another scenario could be that he drives a third car at RCR and maybe that car is unchartered. Or maybe they try to find a charter for it with the hopes of moving Austin Hill up in 2024 to that chartered spot at RCR, creating a three-car team. But if Tyler Reddick was to be kicked out of that ride at RCR and move to 2311 Racing, the same issue would apply. Denny Hamlin has said that the 45 car is Kurtz if he returns next year, and that's a big if. If Kurt does return next year, that puts Tyler Reddick in the same scenario. Does he drive an unchartered car? Does Denny Hamlin work to get a charter before the season begins? There's a lot of variations. Then also, though, if Kurt doesn't return, decides to retire, which I hope doesn't happen, then Tyler Reddick would get the 45 car. The final question that we have is who gets the 18 car? And that's pretty clear to me. That would be Ty Gibbs, quite honestly. If, if anyone else but Ty Gibbs gets that ride, I will be shocked. But I could see a scenario where maybe Joe Gibbs and Denny Hamlin could work something out to where if Tyler Reddick is kicked out of a ride for a year, maybe they hold up Ty Gibbs' process for a year and put Tyler Reddick in the 18 car as things get sorted out at 2311 Racing, then he moves over. That's a possibility I actually, I mean, like, I don't see being really probable here, but if something drastic were to happen, if Tyler Reddick were to be without a home next year, Maybe that would be a solution if Joe Gibbs was willing to work with him, but that's what I see happening, potentially all the scenarios that are playing in my head for next year as Kyle Busch is slated to go to RCR in 2023. Let me know what you think, though, and what you see happening to Tyler Reddick. All right, so that was down the line. Now let's preview this weekend's race, the Bass Pro Shops Night Race at Bristol, one I love every year, starting with your track facts and driver stats. The race length for Bristol is 500 laps or 266.5 miles long. The racetrack length is 0.533 miles. Stages 1 and 2 are both 125 laps each, and the final stage doubles being 250 laps. As for your driver's stats, the last driver to win at this track not being Bristol Dirt is Kyle Larson. The active driver with the most track wins is Kyle Busch with 8 wins. The active driver with the best average finish at the track is Eric Jones with a 12.4 average finishing position. The team with the most track wins, 
following in Kyle Busch's footsteps is Joe Gibbs Racing with 13 wins. And finally, wins by manufacturer. Chevy has 46, Ford has 39, and Toyota has 12. All of this information from driveraverages.com. Closing this out with your two watch to worry for the Bristol night race, starting of course on the negative side with your drivers I'm going to be worried about. One of those for me would be Kevin Harvick. Simply he is in a must win situation in my opinion. There is no way I think he could reasonably make those points up with all the chaos that we have seen. And I know that the drivers below and right above the cutoff line are going to fight for everything they can and probably race pretty dirty. So that is my concern for Kevin Harvick. I'm also going to be concerned for Tyler Reddick. Of course, Reddick is not below the cutoff line right now. He is plus two to the good, but he could lose that very easily. Out of those drivers that are under the bubble and around the bubble, he has the worst established finishing position at this track that's raced here before. Of course, we have some rookies to this series that have not raced in the Cup Series at Bristol yet, but Tyler Reddick has the worst established finishing position of them all. He has to stay above the cutoff line. I don't think he can do it. I think Kyle Busch is one driver that's going to at least knock him out. I think Kyle Busch, this being one of his best tracks, is probably going to knock out Tyler Reddick, put him below the line, and then his playoff hopes are done. I do hope that does not happen because I see him having a bright future in the playoffs. So my guys to worry about will be Kevin Harvick and Tyler Reddick. Now for my guys to watch. One of those guys has got to be Kyle Larson. He won this race last year with all the inconsistencies that he's had this season on that championship slump. I'm going to be excited to see if he can pull out a win and get himself back on that winning game. The other driver I'm going to be watching is Deja Vu, but I'm going to be worrying about and watching Kevin Harvick. This is Kevin Harvick's track. When the chips are down, he is able to perform at his best. He's been able to win before in a must-win type of situation or when he has to. So I think if any track were to happen at the end of a round, this is one where Kevin Harvick wants to be. He performs really well under pressure. So Kevin Harvick, I'm going to be watching to see if he can get out of that points deficit or if he can just win this race. So Kevin Harvick and Kyle Larson are my guys to watch. A little bit of a different question to end off on on this episode. Who are the four drivers that you think will not make it past the round of 16? Let me know that in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. Make sure to join us on the live stream Friday night to talk about all of your playoff picks and all your crazy predictions. Also, make sure to watch the race. It is on a Saturday night. Not a Sunday night, a Saturday night, so do not miss the Bristol night race. Of course, though, to catch up with all of the stuff from above the yellow line and to get some live tweets during the race, make sure to follow us on Twitter at underscore TaylorKitchen underscore. For post-race polls and daily questions, and above the yellow line on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure to check out TobyChristie.com on all social platforms to find great motorsports content and TobyChristie.com to hear and read more from the team and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank DoorDash and Jack Eyegear for supporting ATYL and TobyChrissy.com. To show your support, make sure to use the promo code NASCAR30 for 30% off your first order of DoorDash. And when you're checking out at ShackEyeGear.com, make sure to use the promo code MAMBA34 to get 20% off your order. You can find all of our social pages linked in the description below, but before you check those out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above the Yellow Line and TobyChristie.com, and until next time, I'll see ya.